If you could only use one body care product for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tweezers. Four-in-one body wash. Uh, lotion. Amber, your eyebrows bother you that much that you need <laughs> No, I honestly thought, thought body grooming. And you know what, Shamir, right before the podcast, you said that like your answers have not been that good. But I just want to give you props. That was a really, really good answer. Dude, I locked it in. I was like, yes. That four was one so, body good. Wash. Yeah. so good. So good. conditioner, four, body wash, and then it probably has like lotion in there too. That's crazy. I've never heard of four in one. I thought it was always bro, three you've heard one. of four in one, bro. I don't no, think it's, one, I don't I know, think but it's but lotion, but it's the body wash, the shampoo and conditioner. But you, yeah. but you also have like s- stood against that. You were like, that's oh, the yeah. thing. I'm against it, but like, <laughs> but you say it's a good it, product. It's the best. If I only had one, right. It'd be yeah. the best. Yeah. I mean, soap would have it's made like a the cheap best code. like answer. I was thinking body grooming, like, okay, fine. Like, like, what do I, like, I don't use hair brushes. I don't use whatever. Mm. Guys, so. nobody said deodorant. Dude, the body wash, bro. The body wash. Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> what are you gonna do the rest of the day? Chapstick, we about sh- to have crusty lips. Are you gonna shower with just water and then put deodorant on? Like, that's yeah. not gonna smell good. I think that would be fine. Oh, that would no, not dude, the be mi- fine. In middle school, all those kids would spray Axe and that didn't do anything. Just, oh yeah, after the gym? <laughs> yeah. Bro, why did we have that? Like, going, uh, like cl- having classes and dressing up and then going to gym in the middle of the day getting sweaty and then like putting on the same clothes <laughs> it's gross like, that, is that couldn't happen gross. now yeah. actually um well i said I mean, lotion because I, I like it actually physically like i can't handle when my skin is dry like it makes me just like you know when like you have like nails on the chalkboard like that's what i feel like when i like have dry hands or something and so i was just like i said lotion but um, I thought of this because I was thinking of sunscreen and um, like I was sunscreen listening to this podcast essential. apparently because it is it is for your skincare like it's like one of the best way to like do anti-aging and moisturize all of that so I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that like sunscreen is supposed to be an everyday thing but we only use it when we go to the beach and stuff and uh, she was saying that like it was the CEO of this company um, that she made it so that you could use sunscreen every day because people usually don't like the texture of it, but yeah. she made a formula that like works or whatever. And I was listening to it, I was like, this is stupid. And I was on my way to do a shoot in Baltimore and uh, I was outside all day and I got I got sunburned. Oh, no. sunburn? I've yeah. never heard of a brown person getting sunburned before. Right here. Actually, actually, I got it for the first time in California when we went um, two years ago. Good, because and I, I know you, you guys are the type like, oh, I don't wear sunscreen. I like, never wear sunscreen. I've never worn it my whole life, and I didn't wear it on that trip either. But it was just funny that, like, I was out for maybe, like, three, four hours, but apparently it was really hot. I didn't really feel it, but uh, it was almost 90 degrees, right? Like this. It, it's not temperature. Yeah, it's, it's like the sun's oh, it's the sun. rays, like, right. direction. It's but like- on, the way, on the way home, like, uh, I was looking in the mirror, and I saw that my nose was red, and then by the time I got home, I was touching it. And I really like sunburn because I never get it and it feels really good. And white people take it for privilege. What? Um, <laughs> but no, it feels good. Like when it starts peeling and stuff. Can we like slap you next time you get it? Like on the Yeah. Area? Okay. I mean, I like it, so. <laughs> you like it? It's cool. He likes pain. All right. Let's I remember my white kids used to, uh, not my white kids, my white friends <laughs> used to. <laughs> <laughs> like when I used to go to school with them, they would always like, 
show off about it. I think it might be a guy thing because they'd be like peeling and stuff. They're like, look, look at my sunburn. Mm. Oh, and, like, people, I like, look touch at it sunburn stuff. as like a sign of weakness. Like, oh, your skin couldn't handle that? Oh, okay. True. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm weak. I'm for us. I'm <laughs> Amber. And this is brought to you by Olive Theory. You can email us or, guys, I wanted to ask, who can send their music? Anybody but your cousin. Anybody. Honestly, I'm going to advocate for the cousin this This podcast. episode you're listen, advocating for Listen, listen, listen. You know, <laughs> I have a thing on the cousin, right? What? Like, did you see that meme of that kid that was recording in his bedroom with the um, oh, yeah, cell yeah. phone hanging upside down and he had the headphones on? Yeah. And, and Kenny Beats, the producer, was like, I'm going to hook this kid up, right? Which he because, did. like, he needs uh, proper full software studio. and yeah. full studio and stuff because he's trying to chase his dreams. Awesome. Amazing story. But then I go on the kid's, like, Instagram and guess who's who he's promoting? Who? The Come cousin? On. His cousins. <laughs> the cousins are clout chasing and and he's like follow my cousin blank follow my cousin blank yeah but sometimes and they say cousin like as oh this is more than my friend it's my cousin okay no but his cousins are probably like yo you got the clout man like put yeah. us on and, and he's because he's a little kid i get it they're probably like yo we can help you out and stuff but i still i i don't trust the cousins yeah cousins are very nasty they like take it that's down. why i've been saying that's why i've been saying <laughs> There's great cousins. You know, some, some of your cousins, they're like, you know, you grow up with them. They're like, they're the ride or dies. Yeah. And they would like back you up in a fight and everything. But some cousins, you know, you know who you are. Yeah, but if, if you're that a cousin. Was so, that was so aggressive for no I'm, reason. But if, no, you know, it's real. I, I, all of us are cousins, you know, and we have some, you know, catalog there. So like if you want to try out, right, if you want to try out to maybe try your music and have it on this podcast, you can at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Don't and be cloud chasing. Don't be cloud chasing. But it can be um, your brother and sister in Islam, though. Yeah, and you can cloud chase and <laughs> say you listen to this great podcast by telling them that yo, Strange Flavors, the greatest, strangest, and greatest podcast in the game, is in Apple Podcast, Spotify, and anywhere you listen. We're also on YouTube. You can see our beautiful faces. Unfortunately, I don't have an amazing background today because so sad. Yeah. Why? I'm I'm maturing, guys. I want, I'm boring and normal now, just Ooh. like you guys. Just like you guys. Like the old shimmer. <laughs> it's like, uh, I just didn't have time to think of one. Because I have to, you know, you have to put in time for these amazing backgrounds. And I don't just wait, you know. You want it to matter every time. I want it to matter every time. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter this episode. Yes, and if you want to follow us on all social media, you can. We're on Facebook, IG, Twitter, at Strange Flavors. And if you want to be an executive producer, just Uh-oh. like our executive producer, Bobber Bagel, you can support us and support this podcast Link down below for a monthly donation to support the podcast for future. Shout episodes. out Barbara Bagel. Shout out Barbara Bagel. Barbara Bagel. And because he is our executive producer, he gets an authoritative. He gets uh, the privilege. Privilege. There you go. That's the word. <laughs> Thank you, co-host Amber. Uh, he gets the privilege <laughs> of having his email and words put to the top above there everyone else. There we go. He gets yeah. the first question. Let's hear it. So he said some nice words. He was like, yo, I love Ronopono. I love Strange Flavors. Why is that listening. voice his? This is like my... Uh, That's his excited. The, it's my excited. Oh, okay, like, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep it's on. not his voice. He, I'm sure he has a sexier voice, but... I'm sure it's deep. Bob Bagel yeah. sounds like he might yeah. have a deep voice. Like, like yeah. yo, what's For up, sure. guys? Yo, what's I mean, production? not that deep, but like, like a no, cool chill. No, it's deep. Probably deeper, oh. actually. He's probably well, like, yo, let me give you 99 cents. Welcome to Bobber's Bagels. Plus another one. Welcome to Bagels. Just, yo, read my email, yo. I'm an <laughs> executive <laughs> producer. 
So he had a question for us, and I hope we can answer it. He said, uh, um, he said, what kind of hobbies slash activities have you discovered or rediscovered since quarantine? I, for example, pulled my ancient Bionicle Legos from middle school out of the shed and started making my own after years of inactivity. Mm. He makes bagels and Bionicles. That's crazy. <laughs> wow. Man of many talents. Wait, isn't Bionicle like a separate thing than Legos? Yeah, I, I think he said like Legos to like dumb it down for the people that oh, don't know. Oh, yeah. they're in parentheses. They're in parentheses. So I think he dumbed it down for the people that don't know. But if you're uncultured, you don't know what Bionicles are. So I had a Bionicle one time. And when you said Bionicle, I thought of binoculars, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why he uses parentheses. <laughs> right, and for I For the ambers of it. the world. And uh, I think it was like the action figures that you like assemble, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when I realized that like I don't like toys, <laughs> like Legos and like all this, all that type of stuff. I yeah. was never into toys. What the question into? here for us is, what have you discovered from quarantine? Yeah, <laughs> not whether or not we you like Legos go somewhere well, else. <laughs> well, I was just, I was just addressing the Bionicle part of this. True. What have we, what have we discovered? I think, um, I started. Um, well, I picked up on a lot of reading because I had a lot of uh, books that mm. I really needed to catch up on so that was awesome making time for that um it was awesome that like ramadan came in the way so then i got to like you know read up and and learn more about um you know my own faith and then just um aside from like just all the projects that we do uh i never really watch netflix like everyone's usually into these series and stuff but i uh decided to like watch something small every day i don't like the ones that are like an hour long like i started watching black mirror and then it was like Oh my god, every episode is like a movie, which like some of them were good, but I like things like when I was watching The Office cuz it was like little 30-40 minute episodes that like I can watch. Oh, I only have time for one today or I can watch up to 3 today. And like Avatar the Last Airbender, like that's what I've been watching cuz it's only 20 minute episodes, so it's awesome cuz I'm like right before I go to sleep either I can like watch an episode or if I have some time I can watch like four. Hmm. So just wasting time. Yeah, I mean, I, w I would add on, add on to that. Like, I would watch, like, big shows, like, whatever's popular. It had to be, like, the main show. Like, if shows, like, that got popular, like, Tiger King, like, I would immediately oh, yeah. watch in and out of quarantine. But, like, during quarantine, I'm like, okay, there's so many shows that I have to, like, catch up on. Bro, it's and, been that long? What? I thought Tiger, Tiger King, King happened, yeah. like, a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was forever ago. But, like, Jeez. Uh, dur during quarantine, I guess, like, I prioritized, like, actually watching shows um and like hmm. different types of shows like cartoons i actually, i started watching like rick and morty like um to f figure out because the they're Sashuan not sauce is they're not releasing movies yeah, on, releasing on the movies. same level yeah like so, out in theaters and stuff so, so people like, are picking up the shows picking up shows and like catching up on shows new shows that came out rami season two shout out so but blam i want to say real quick about rami um season two so you know um i realized that the show like there's a similar formula with rami and the show yeah. dave and yeah. atlanta. atlanta and they're all on fx too i don't know if yeah. that has to do with it but think about this all three of those shows have somebody like uh donald glover or uh dave aka little dicky or rami yusuf name? what glover or i'm I thought it was Glover, but I thought it was Glover too. What did I say? Glover. Glover. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a weird ass. <laughs> guys, listen, it's the it's same a, thing to me. No, I don't hear the off. difference. It threw us off. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I was just like, wait, did I know it wrong my whole life? Keep going. <laughs> Anyways, um, they, it's like it's like a very personal show about like something that has like with um, 
Donald Glover. Am I saying it right? Um, yeah. Like it's it's about uh, his industry um, that that he's kind of experienced and gl- growing up in Atlanta. And then Dave, it's literally the story of how Little Dicky came about. And then Rami, you know, telling the story of like a little bit about himself and then other like Muslim stories yeah. in that. But it's a formula that I really really enjoy, and yeah. I liked all three of those shows so much because of how. And maybe it has to do with all three of them like write and direct in the show as well, and are the lead characters. Um, I'm not sure about uh, Donald, but yeah. I know the other two definitely like have a big part of it. I will but they say also, like, yeah, go ahead. Like um, the Atlanta, which is like Donald Glover's show, and then like Rami, even though they might be like main characters, their supporting characters are much stronger. That's like, what I, I was gonna say. So like they both, they all of them give uh, their like the other characters uh, their own uh, time to shine. And that's what's so amazing about it because it's like, oh, they're not just supporting characters. They also have their own trials and tribulations and like desires. Yeah. Like I was going to say like uh, the supporting characters, a lot of them in Rami and uh, Atlanta, I I feel like they're much better than the main character. Like a lot of the times. But in Dave, like Dave is my favorite character, but Mm. the supporting characters are still amazing too. I like Taco. Taco's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's an awesome formula that works. Yeah. Um, Amber, you want to take it from here? Yeah, so we had... Remember, guys, let's just take it back a few podcasts ago. Remember we had this whole flower situation where somebody wrote in and... My mortal enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Biggest enemy. We had a pretty big discussion about this um, This is a series at this point. It started from way long ago. She addressed (laughs) from February. Uh And then it happened again like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And, and then she wrote again? back in again, and she wants to make a clarification. So <laughs> wait, she wait, wants to ma- uh, just remind the people what happened. So what happened was I talked about a flower for Valentine's Day and how a girl wanted a flower and she never got a flower. She wrote in and basically said that you know you shouldn't get flowers because and and if you do they should be potted because it's not um, environmentally cannot, friendly. Environmentally yeah. friendly. Okay. To so cut she wrote flowers? and so we basically tore her to shreds. Yeah. That last I was podcast. not part of that. We just Maybe got frustrated, but we still love her. We still love you, Sakina. But she said, let me clarify. I understand that plants are biodegradable and they grow back after being cli- clipped off. The point is that I would appreciate it more if someone gave me something to eat or non-perishable than clipped flowers. Also, it reduces carbon footprint because you're adding more oxygen to the environment, given that your carbon usage is the same. That is, however, my opinion. And I understand that Amber also, Amber wants clipped oh, flowers. Oh, she Got wants you. the edible arrangements. But here's the thing, okay? I don't like how you told me all the way at the end after giving all these like points of like why it's like better that way but like oh amber it's still okay if you want to do that like i'm just over here being uh biologically economically (laughs) friendly okay fair fair don't come at her neck she's right here's what i'm gonna say sorry um she checkmated (laughs) me don't apologize she checkmated me she won right she did i have a problem with you two Cause y'all were like, "What humans don't produce a carbon footprint?" Like, no, after you said that they do, then I was like, "Okay, cool. Thank you for educating me, Mister Mister <laughs> Well, I, I saw the you know judgment in your guys' eyes, so I assumed that you continued to judge me. No, I believe but, you on things science based. Yeah, but yeah. so she actually checkmated me, and she was like, "The having the potted plant is like equalizing the amount of carbon that we release." Right, because oh, the, she hit you up and said this. Well, she said right here, like the um, it redu- also it reduces, reduces carbon, carbon footprint, footprint because the, 
adding you're more adding oxygen. more oxygen to the environment. environment. Okay, so, but what does it do for your heart, Sakina? That's my <laughs> no, question. No, no. So my point is like it cancels out, right? So my logic was like, you know, why it it doesn't even matter how much you know you're cutting it off. Like you're barely saving the earth. So she checkmated me there, and now it's personal preference but you know what everything i just said i want to go ahead and take it back real quick because the next line is also amber i love your hair and you maintain them so well you are so sweet okay amber you are weak (laughs) you are weak listen then she goes i have a different question this time if there's one place other than where you live or have lived before that you that would be your dream location to work what would it be and why mine is somewhere in europe like spain or italy i'm gonna go ahead and say new york because i am in new york this week and even though i'm not going outside or LA. So, so anywhere that you would want to work, yeah. I mean, take me to like Bora Bora. Like Bora, I'll work, Bora. I'll work there because because I'm work because if I got the Wi-Fi, right. I'm good to go. We mobile right. on this side. Yeah, that's true. That was good. For me, it's uh, I like LA is probably one. New York's two. Atlanta maybe three. Dang, I'll go back to Hawaii. Shoot. <laughs> For me, it's collaboration, meeting creative people. These areas are wonderful in those areas. So, mm-hmm. she said that hers was somewhere in Europe, like Spain or Italy. But you know, thank New, you so much New for York, sending in that question, Sakina. New York and LA can also be distracting. Facts, but I'm not a distracted person. I'm over here right now, being very not distracted. So. Amber, you definitely whole. get distracted <laughs> easily, <laughs> though. No, I get distracted very easily by my own personal life and environment. Yeah. And I pulled myself out New of York. it, and I'm no, I'm like thriving here. Frost, do you, you think mean? you would get distracted? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I like. I would like to say no, but sometimes I. Uh, it's hard for me to also say no. Um, so if there's like, it would have to do with people, and like if they want to go and do something, and um, I don't know. That's always kind of tough for me. It's easy for me right now because I'm away from a lot of people, and usually people that want to do things and go somewhere they want to do it in the city or whatever and so i'm just like sorry like i'm really far like you know whatever but if they're like yo come outside let's go let's do this i'd be like yikes um let's hear it from uh a true new yorker today wow this is where i want to transition right on fire (laughs) and and let's see how he works through all of that and if he and if he doesn't get distracted and stuff, um, the guest today we're very excited about. Uh, you're gonna get lots of inspiration from this person. So I want to intro him. Uh, the stranger today is the founder and creative director of a content production studio called Happy Monday. He's worked with the biggest celebrities and brands in the game and is only just getting started. He also has a platform called Hyphen, which uplifts and amplifies stories of South Asian artists and creators. We're picking his brain about these projects and a whole lot more. So please welcome our stranger today, Atif Atif. come through with the lighting <laughs> yeah last time i was talking to you, you had like a, uh the ring light on or the blue and red one or something you're always prepared for this kind of stuff i am i mean this is part of my job if i don't look good on camera if i don't look good you know on podcast then i'm not doing my job right you're not doing it right <laughs> no what's the what's the stuff you've been doing recently with like uh the ig live like you've been kind of 
uh, tricking the system and and uh, hacking you're, it. You're able to like produce IG Live, <laughs> which not even like the big people in the game are doing right now. You know what? They're not doing it because it's mad annoying to actually do, and it's not really uh, conducive to having an actual live that's set up that way unless you have multiple people like you have a team helping you out mm. there's no way to really do that um and what are these lives basically like, we explain? just yeah so basically we're you know uh, through some pieces of software you're able to live stream of camera feeds into ig live but the big problem with that is you lose all the native functionality of instagram so you're not able to you know, you're not able to pin anything, you're not able to comment, Comments, you're not able to it. take questions, you're not able to pull someone in for an interview. So those things are big drawbacks because that really helps the, you know, the, the platform really facilitates. You know um, the, um, what's it called, the Versus channel? Where they've been doing yeah. like those producer battles and it's Swizz Beats and Timbaland have been doing that. I feel like something yeah. like that where it's like strictly on IG Live yeah. They need that type of a system because it's literally like, all right, guys, we have an hour limit. Everyone hop back in. And it's like that would never fly on yeah. any sort of professional, you know. And they have to like sync it together and sometimes <coughs> like always off. They're like, hey, you play it. All right, yeah. let's wait. And people it. have been losing battles because of the quality. <laughs> like people were like, yo, Nelly's quality was whack, so he takes the L. It's like on a, on a production it, level, I can't believe that like, you know, IG Live or or at least the people that are facilitating it wouldn't hop on that level and here's Atif like, yo, I'm just gonna chat Out with here. this person one-on-one -on -one and uh, it's gonna be this full-on production. <laughs> now it's dope to no. see though. It's Word. awesome Thank that you're, you. that you're you. able to do that. You know, I really like to kind of just, you know, when a platform gives you limitations to see if you can push through those limitations and what you can actually accomplish um, and still remain within, you know, the confines of whatever they've created. So it was, it was, it was fun to play around with that, but it's not really pr practical. Um, just yet. Instagram doesn't let you do uh, Instagram doesn't allow for it to be practical just yet. Mm. But the but fact I, that sure you can figure change. it out when you you'll are able to, you'll be able to yeah. figure it out first. Honestly, yeah. I feel it's not like that hard. The, dumb, the dumbness of the IG Live platform gives it the exactly. shine. Exactly. That, that's, you know, on, on social media especially, we talk a lot about, you know, walking this line of being elevated and then raw and real. And, and often we have these conversations with big clients where, where we'll suggest that maybe we should sh just shoot this on our phones mm. and not even use DSLRs or cinema cameras because it gives more of that authentic, one, you know, intimate connect, connection feel that you, that, that you have when you have, your uh, is it? when you have your phone in your hand. This connection is, is hard to replicate when you're doing it with a DSLR, you know? It yeah, feels more intimate. It feels like I'm, 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 I'm there with the person. Yeah. I think you and I were talking about this um, actually recently where I, we were saying how like some people, they're, they have such a, you know, a visual idea on something like TikTok where they haven't explored uh, software or anything yet, but they're still being able to, you know, execute so properly on these little uh, cell phone softwares. And it's like sometimes that's good enough and you don't have to and, and I look at it like sometimes I want I need to replicate how to do something on TikTok on like Premiere. Yeah. Which is and always weird because it's so much harder to do it on like Premiere or After Effects than it is on TikTok. Well, recently I was like, how do I get these stickers that you can post on Instagram? You know, like when you swipe up, you could take a GIF and post it into your story. Yeah. 
So I was, I, I was trying to do that in Premiere, and I was like, there's no easy way to do this. I Googled it, and the, the, the solution was to post the, the, the sticker onto a green screen in the app and then export it and then pull it into Premiere and take the green out. And I was like, this is such a bad, like someone yeah. has to come up with a solution to this. Yeah, seriously. That's insane. Um, so, okay, so for people that don't know, um, before we dive into uh, you know, who you are and how you got here, um, you're the man behind Happy Monday. So why don't you start by telling us, first of all, what does Happy Monday do? What is Happy Monday? So Happy Monday, well, it's, you know, for a very long time, I've been doing some sort of visual content creation since I was like 16. But around four years ago, we started a, a video production company, and that's how we thought about it in the beginning, that it was a video production company. And then quickly we realized that the opportunity is, is in social content. There's no, there weren't any agencies that were servicing social content for brands because what, the way that it traditionally works is that brands hire agencies to execute campaigns or execute uh, um, you know, uh, uh, content for them on a, on, on, on a long-term basis. But what, what that ends up being is that the brand is speaking to their audience in these spikes. Anytime they have something to sell or they have a product drop or something, you know, they have something to announce, then, then they have this, uh, heavy messaging towards their audience and that's that's a quick way to create an inauthentic relationship like if you don't have this ongoing conversation with your audience always um, and 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 it, it, it won't feel real it won't feel authentic it'll just feel like they're speaking to you when they have something to sell like what kind of that's how it does, seems right? that like, you advertise it as well as that sort of like really pushing for the social aspect yeah. the social media aspect of it yeah, so we narrowed it down to creating social content for brands. So we sit between brands and their audiences to help them figure out how to create messaging in, in the most authentic way to their audiences. And, you know, we, we, we never know, there's no formula, there's no like template that we use to kind of execute this. We try to understand what the brand's needs are, the tone that they speak to their audience with, and, you know, what the message is. And then we package that message into a piece of content, whether it's a video, a photo, a GIF, a carousel, whatever it is, we figure that out based on what the message is and based on what the tone is. Um, so, so who are, who are some of the, <clears throat> sorry, who, who are some of the oh, biggest names and brands that, uh, that um, you're proud to have worked with through Happy Monday? So w one of our biggest clients is Spotify. Um, before working with Spotify, we were heavily working in the fashion space and we worked with a lot of luxury fashion brands and we worked with IMG, who is the entity that puts on New York Fashion Week. Um, so we created a lot of content for the NYFW Instagram account um, and then working with a lot of fashion brands like Carolina Herrera, Boss, Oscar de la Renta, just across the board. And then this Spotify opportunity came because what we became really good at doing was creating content in real time and, and, and pu pushing that content out as the event was still happening. So we, we attached ourselves to big events like fashion shows, concerts, festivals, conferences, and told people that, or, or told them that we could create content and give it to you to post as the event was still happening. And people wouldn't believe us. People, you know, the reaction I always get is like, I don't know about that. I don't know how you guys are going to do that. And then I'm like, just try it. Just try us out. You know, we'll come through and, and show you how we do this. And 
um, and we do. And you know, the, 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 it, it to our clients, it feels like magic because they're seeing things happening in front of them, and then within like 15 minutes, it's already on their Instagram page. What does that look like from your end? Like, do you have just like content being passed to like one of the people on your team, and they're just editing and uploading it right there? Yeah, so usually we have two people, two shooters capturing the content. We have a producer that's running around making sure that the, the relationship with the client is being handled um, and that that content that the, uh, that the people are capturing is then ushered to an editor who's sitting on site editing for the vertical screen. And then that editor uh, texts the, the piece of content um, to the client and then the client says, hey, fix this or remove that or this is good to go, I'm going to post it. Um, so that's that's kind of the process. Do you guys shoot in vertical too, and horizontal? No, we don't. We don't. You know, that was a big debate that we had in the beginning about like how should we approach this because all of our content is ending up uh, in 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 the vertical frame. Should so should we shoot vertically as well? And um, after a lot of kind of back and forth debate, after like you know taking a few months where we were like we're just going to shoot vertical now, we ended up coming back to horizontal because. Um, now the trend, if you if you've seen Quibi, the trend is that you you should be able to produce both in the same time, right? Like you should be able to shoot content that can be delivered vertically or horizontally. And then our clients also later would we 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 started noticing down the line they they wanted to have a YouTube presence. You can't have a vertical presence mm -hmm. on YouTube. So you know that because we shot it in horizontally, we were able to repackage that content for their YouTube channels as well. So. When we're thinking about content, we think about like how is it going to live across all social platforms, and how can we capture it so that it 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 you know it lives the best in each place. And part of the thinking there is like what happens in the first five six seconds of the video, because trying to disrupt the feed, trying to get people to stop scrolling their thumb on Instagram is one thing. Having people search for something and find it on YouTube is a different thing. Facebook operates completely separately, so it's all just you know we have to make sure that we the content we create lives best for the platform that we're putting it on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you were experimenting our, with from, you're ta we we're talking about live. Uh, you were talking about like live experimentation like earlier. Are you get, is that yeah. something you guys are planning on doing uh, for the future? Well, so the, the the reason why we like started doing live was because uh, three months ago. Um, when COVID hit, our, our entire calendar cleared up. Like all the jobs we had lined up um, either got pushed to next year or got canceled. So we found ourselves in the situation where we were, where we had no work, but we had, we had a really great 2019, so we had just scaled up. We moved into a bigger office, we hired more people, we uh, you know, scaled up our equipment. So you know, at, in March we were a little shook because we didn't have any work and we had to think about uh, ways to pivot. And live stream was is clearly the social media pandemic MVP, right? Like mm. it, it was something that lived on, on social platforms for so long, but it, it has just been validated. And brands didn't know how to use live. And they, they, because of this pandemic, they were able to experiment with it and able to figure out how they would activate live. Um, so now I think we're gonna see a lot more um, lives as part of everything. You know, like if, if, if the Oscars are happening, there's gonna be a live component to it. There, there's a, whatever. There's always gonna be a live attach, or it, it'll be smart to attach a live activation to anything you do moving forward, because people are bought into it now. Are you thinking about, um, you know, going forward after, 
the the COVID-19 situation happened, are you thinking about how you're going to adapt your business in the future if like you're not able to move mobily? What do you mean? Oh, like, like to move, to travel? Yeah, to travel, to make it to these events and stuff like that. Like does your business survive if, you know, COVID-19 happens for a year or two and everybody's yeah, I, locked inside? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question um, and that we that we pose to ourselves as well. I think the answer really lies within like are brands ever going to stop um, talking to audiences? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. They're always going to talk, talk to talk to the people. They're always going to want to sell, always going to want to promote and have a relationship um, with their consumer. And, and so those same brands, are they help, are they still contacting you now to still like push out content from like previously shot stuff? Uh, are those previous I, clients like coming in handy now? Yeah, absolutely, because they are they are just as lost as we are, right? Like they're coming to us and being like, what should we do now that we're in this situation, now that we can't have productions? Like what are some alternatives? So the live, us scaling up our live program came out of that. Um, and then we scaled up on creating Instagram filters, which is another way that brands communicate with um, um, social uh, on their social channels. And it promotes user-generated content. It's like such a great way for them to activate. Um, and then we, we did a lot of like remote production, so sending out briefs to talent, treatments that, that, that laid out what we need from them, what we need them to shoot. So they would shoot the content and then send it back to us. We would edit it, package it, and then give it to the client to push out. But we would give them best practices, we would tell them how to do everything. But so yeah, I mean, it, does, the, does our business survive if COVID lasts? I think that's a question of like our team. Is our team agile enough? Are we smart enough to survive? Are we like do do we care about what we're doing enough to you know continue to pivot and meet the needs of the market? I Ooh. certainly see you trying, like you know, yeah. uh, despite everybody else being like, all right, you know, I'm doomed or Call, you know, Call of Duty. Let's let's <laughs> waste a ton of time. You're like, okay, this is what's happening right now, and I'm gonna try this today. And who wants to join me for this? So it's, it's nice I have to, at bro, least. I got I, yeah. I got checks to write. You know, I got yeah, people that, sure. that that work work with us now, and I care about everyone and their well-being. And we, you know, we haven't laid anyone off. That was a, a core part of our team, and that was a conscious decision because we were like, we're going to survive this. If yeah. we start laying people off, then we die. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, and what about like on a personal level? Um, you had mentioned like on your website and stuff that this type of stuff does take a toll on you. Has COVID kind of provided you somewhat, even though it stresses you out in the business sense, is it helping you out in the personal sense at all? It's a mix. It's, it's a mix. You know, I, I, I say that I keep swinging between, you know, uh, loving this and, and completely losing it. You know, um, there are, our lives were were really fast paced right before this. Like I, I I rarely had time to kind of slow down and really think about what we're doing or or look at big picture, uh, or do big picture thinking or whatever it is. But it's been really nice to just slow down, just to like take a step back, um, just to see everything from this from this bird's eye view and and understand how we have to kind of maneuver things to move forward. So I've been really loving the the pace at which. Um, I'm moving right now, but you know, there's a lot of anxiety attached to that too because the because of the uncertainty. If I you knew know that you know, happen. if I knew September is going to be like is Gucci, like I would I would be way more relaxed. But there's a part of me that's always just like, oh, what what is September going to look like? You know. Yeah. 
Well, I want to talk about that. I want to take our conversation towards that gear of like, you know, you're in this spot where people count on you and there's there's, you know, checks to write and all of that. But how did you get here? So take us take us back to, first of all, starting with like your background and your upbringing. Um, who is who is Atif and, and how did he uh, start on this journey? Uh, OK, yeah, um, I think. You know, if I trace it back, the beginning of my career started in high school. Um, I took a photography class uh, as an elective, just on a whim, and completely fell in love with it. And I, at that time, I was, a, I, was, I was an introvert, and it was hard for me to communicate with the world. And photography, like once I started doing it, photography allowed me to communicate with the world through images. And this is, you know, this is in 2000, uh, this is years ago, guys. <laughs> and at that point, you know, digital photography, what, you know, we didn't have fo cameras in our pockets. Like we were still shooting film. Um, I was still working in the dark room, um, and and you know photography was a much slower, much more uh, artistic medium, I guess. If, if no, that's not the right word, but it was a much slower paced uh, kind of uh, skill. But and, and but it played into my personality because I was I was an introvert and I was spending a lot of time in the dark room by myself creating images that I felt like was allowing me to speak to the world in a way that I didn't know how to. Um, and then and then you know. The, then 9/11 happened, and um, at that time, uh, you know things were th things obviously got shook, and and our world kind of turned upside down. So my kind of form of therapy became photographing, and um, what I started to see in my community was so much, so many things changing, businesses closing down, you know, uncles that I would see a day before with full beards, the next day clean shaven, like people disappearing straight up, like. And uh, like families, like ask you know, putting up signs to asking for their for their fathers to come home that were like taken or deported or whatever. So I you, started photographing. You grew up in New York, right? I grew up in New York in Coney Island. Um, so I grew up like around Neptune Avenue. Um, so it's a big Pakistani community there, and there's two masjids like in, in 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 like a close radius. There's a bunch of Pakistani restaurants. So the community was alive there. Um, and I saw a lot of change happening, so I started photographing that, and that ended up becoming an important project. I didn't realize that at the time because I, I was young and I didn't fully understand the scope of what was happening, but now that I look back at it, I have like, uh, you know, hundreds of images from that era of, of portraits of South Asians and Muslims in America post 9-11, and I went everywhere from like into restaurants, barbershops, I stood in line at like JFK at the taxi, Area and just like photograph cab drivers one after another, like talking well, what, to them what about was what's the, going on. What were the photographs showing? Like when you're taking these pictures, what was? It was, you know, I was I was really into portraiture at the time, and I wanted to tell the story through the various faces of the community. So it was portraits mm -hmm. of people. It okay. wasn't. It, it, so it was like that mixed with a, a documentary style kind of captures. Mm. So so that that that. That project like won a lot of awards. It won like this crazy uh, scholastic art and writing award. Um, that uh, the prize was like a scholarship and ten grand, and like it, our, my photos Ooh. were hanging in the Corcoran Gallery across from the White House. They flew me and my mom down for this big ceremony, and my mom was like, "What the fuck's going on? So this is <laughs> this is what you're doing?" Um, and and all all these things kind of you know in in terms of you know I get asked a lot like, "What do my parents think about this?" and mm. or or how did I convince my parents that that I should go down this creative route? And 
it's, 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 these are the reasons. Like, I didn't have to convince them. They were already convinced based on what I was doing. That I had so many, like, I had put in the work and I had these accomplishments under my belt that it didn't make sense for me to do anything else. You know what I mean? So I then applied to NYU because I wanted to go to a university and not just, uh, not just like an art school, which I felt like would be too narrow-minded for me. Like I wanted to be around different types of people and be able to take other classes. Um, so I went, you know, I studied photography there for like four years. And by the time I graduated, film photography was done. Dig the first digital prosumer camera had come out. Like everything I had learned was just gone. So no. I was really bitter for a long time, bro. Like I was like, damn, I spent all this money, four years studying all this shit, and now everyone can just do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. I was bummed out about that. But um, I, I, I pivoted, right? Like in, even in that moment, I was just like, okay, so I'm seeing that it's going to become harder to become a successful photographer. So how can I take my skill set and do something with it still? So I became a photo editor. Um, so I photo edited for a magazine for a little bit. Um, I took several photo editing classes while I was in school. And then I got this opportunity in Jordan. The, the Israeli-Lebanon war broke out, and my boy was there sh working at this magazine. He was in Jordan. Um, he was working at this magazine called Knox, which was, a, it was like a GQ maxim for the Middle East. So it was like, you know, controversial a little bit. Um, but he was the photo editor there, and this war broke out. And he was like, I want to go shoot this war. Do you want to take my job as a photo editor here? I was like. I just graduated. I was still looking for a job. I took it. So for a year, I moved to Jordan and I photo edited for a magazine there. And that was a really interesting experience. It like, took me out of the US for, for a whole year uh, for the first time. And it put me in the Middle East, someplace I hadn't been. I traveled to, uh, to Beirut a bunch. And you know, it was, it was, that it was a really- That didn't scare you? Like I don't know. No, it didn't. What's going to happen? And I mean, on a, on a personal level and also just like career-wise at all? I think my mom was scared. I think I just mm. felt like this was a super dope opportunity for me to like uh, kind of explore a, a different part of the world, uh, be a forward of a magazine, which I would never be able to do in New York. Like mm. that would take me years to even get to that point. And then you can um, get that experience under your belt too to come back here. What? Right, right. Uh, and so, you know, I, at that point I had produced a bunch of like 12 different covers for the magazine. and. And you know, I had a good body of work. And when I came back to the, to the you know, I, I came back because I just couldn't, I, I, it, it was too lonely. Um, I didn't speak the language. A lot of the, the, the progressive youth moves out of there and goes to universities abroad. Um, so I didn't have a community. And after a year, I just felt like I needed to be back with my tribe, with my people, um, and in a space where I could like, tr you know, further my career. I felt like I was gonna hit a roadblock there because of language, really. So um, what were some of the, other projects that you fell into before uh, Happy Monday came about? What were you sort of ex uh, experimenting with? So um, before I went to Jordan, I had started a clothing line with my boy called Vane, V-A-N-E. And that, that it was like, it, it was during that time when, when streetwear was really hot and was just popping off. So like brands like Supreme and The Hundreds and you know, Ten Deep, uh, all these people were just on the rise. And we kind of just like use that uh, momentum that the industry had to kind of throw ourselves in there and see what would happen. Um, and we created a line of T-shirts while we were still in college. Was there any correlation you know, between like the photography, like that, and like the actual design of the clothes? Were like, were you throwing anything on there, or did you like mainly use your skill with photography to take the pictures of the clothes? 
Yeah, I, I, I felt like I had completely shifted into like now creating a brand. It became this exercise in like creating a business and creating products to sell to people. It was it was it was nice because uh, I had I had been working a lot in a, in 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 a digital medium in the screen based medium um, where your what you're creating is not tangible. So it's really nice to have these ideas that then you can create and then touch and feel and wear and see other people wear, mm -hmm. and that's what was really exciting for me about that project. Um, and it, it, part of the reason why I came back from Jordan was because it started to pop off. Um, we started to get recognized, and I was doing some of that work remotely. Um, but you just, had no background in like clothing, so where were you getting all this like experience? Like, what, like, did you have somebody helping you? Like, nah, it was, it was like, you know, it was, it was just a, we just kind of did it on a whim. There was no help. There was no, there was no resources like they are today, right? Like, I was, I think we were talking about this uh, on the call, but like. They, now, if you want to ship a product out, there's so many services that will help you do that, right? Like you just fucking hit a button, a print comes, mm -hmm. and you slap it on the thing. It's not like I, you know, we had interns writing on package. Like there wasn't a, a, an ecosystem set up for us to be able to do that just yet, but we were doing it still because mm -hmm. it was possible, and it was a challenge, and and I like that challenge. Plus, it was. Uh, it was a completely different space, and it was a very creative space, like downtown New York kids. Um, the, you know, probably a contemporary show. Uh, do you guys watch Betty on HBO? Have you seen no, that show? No. Okay. Well, if you if you get a chance to watch Betty, it it kind of like revolves around these characters that are very unique to downtown New York, and that was kind of the vibe of of like this the scene that I was in at the time. So your environment was like hustlers and and just trying to yeah, make and, and, money yeah, and, and, and do different and, things. And people that that ended up popping off, like uh, people like Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi was part of that movement, part of that mm -hmm. scene. Theophilus London, um, so many people like Mellow X, who's like Beyonce's producer now. Um, all these people grew out of that scene, and I loved being around other people that were creative, that were doing shit, that were like-minded. Now, we, you know, you guys have, you know, such a great, uh, a, a wide range of uh, access to people that are creative and do shit. Um, before all this social media stuff popped off, it was, it was hard to make connections with other creatives or to collaborate or to even find them. Um, so being around, you know, creating that brand allowed us to be in that space around those other creatives. And it was, it was snowballing on its own because it, there was just demand for something like that. We ended up opening a store in the Lower East Side. We were selling in, you know, all over the world. But like, um, I guess my question is like, how do you adapt so well to all these things? Like, when you first started in photography and had that thing, now there's a whole shift in how we take pictures and how we put it out. Then you like took a shift into design. Like, you didn't know anything about manufacturing and any of that type of stuff. How did you constantly go and just get to the next place? Like, were you just like quick on your feet? Like, what what about you I, made that possible? I think that it. I, if I had to nail down the quality that I have, it's. Uh, being able to problem solve because everything is, you know, a, a, a solvable problem that was in front of me, and solving that problem was like this puzzle that I loved figuring it out. Figuring out. Um, so that is probably where that desire came from. And then uh, uh, later in life, when I went to grad school, that is, uh, you know, uh, people ask me what I studied in grad school. I studied like interactive tech and new media, but 
at the core of it, I felt like I mastered in uh, problem solving because that's what we really did there. It was like, how do we execute this creative idea using technology, using the you know, media, using the internet, whatever it was. Um, so I, you know, that I still love that. This, this, we were talking about it earlier. Like this live stream, uh, what I'm experimenting with live stream. It's out of this kind of desire to problem solve. Yeah. Um, so then, where did uh, Vane go? And then, where did Happy Monday come into the picture? Yeah. So Vane, um, it, you know, it, 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 we, at the end of it. We had a store in the Lower East Side, and our overhead was, was pretty significant at that point. And the recession hit. And when the recession hit, because we weren't like a, f a funded business, we were self-funding everything, and we were kind of just like t you know, taking the money we made and kind of grew the business and whatnot, I really had to, dis I had been working on it for six years at that point and still weren't at a point where we were super profitable. So I had to decide if I wanted to continue doing fashion or go back to what my roots were, which was storytelling, which was visuals. And I opted to, I opted out of it because I got pushed into a non-creative role because, you know, when you run a business, you're doing everything, you're, you're doing as, much, as many things as you can to keep your low, overhead low. And, um, yeah, I just decided I wanted to go back to grad school and I applied to like one program in the entire world, got in, and then I, I pivoted my life. I like hit the reset button um, and, and decided I wanted to do something else. Fashion it, wasn't doing it for me. Is that when you started video? Uh, I had been so I, I had been doing a lot of video with the brand, you know. Like I, we were using video to to document everything that we were doing. We were creating ads. We were doing everything, and that's where I really like polished up my skill set. Um, no, grad school was more. It was it, I went to ITP at NYU, mm -hmm. which is an interactive telecommunications program, and it's really about uh, how to use technology creatively to tell stories, which. Um, you know, when I was there a few years back, it was a bit more primitive than it is now. Now it's, you know, now, we're, now we see it in our daily lives. Like, we have smart gadgets, like, in our home that speak to us, that speak to our, all of our devices speak to each other. But at that point, uh, you know, the Internet of Things, which is the, you know, devices, that, smart devices that are connected to one another, um, that was a new idea, and that was just starting to pop off. So there was a lot, I was really interested in that. and. Um, the thing that I really loved learning there was user experience. And that allowed me to really have a lot of empathy with the user. Um, and I translated that, what I learned there, into video. Because a lot of the times, I, I feel like the why videos fall flat or people aren't able to create successful videos is because they're not thinking of the, the people, person who's watching it. They're thinking of themselves what they want to watch. But, but we, you know, I constantly think about how is what I'm putting out being taken in by somebody else. Um, so yeah, that was yeah, the thinking so, on. So then, um, you know, when you, when you came up with uh, the Happy Monday idea, um, first of all, what does that name mean? And you yeah. know, where did you see that going to begin with? So Happy Monday, uh, I started it with Humay, my wife. Um, it was because I was, after, after grad school, I was doing video on my own, kind of a one-man band situation, and it started to grow. Like, like weddings and stuff, or what? 
No, no. I was, yeah, I was doing weddings here and there, like for friends and whatnot. But like, you know, there's an, a there's a Hennessy event, and they need a video of it. I would go there, I'd shoot it, I edit it, I'd give it to them. There's, you know, I worked for Hugo Boss for a little bit, and they just little things, just social. How content. did they come they just, to like, you know, believe you? You were one person like doing this thing for these big brands. How did they trust you? Because there wasn't, no one else was doing it. Like there wasn't people running around. Like now you go to an event, there's like, you know, 20% of the, the guest list is photographers. Um, but before, I, I was the only one that, that uh, was shooting video. Um, mm. Because it was a new, the, the Canon 20D had just come out. Professional video quality was a very new thing, like in a compact prosumer camera. Now it's like, you know, everyone has a DSLR, but back then, Brands were excited because they, this was a very new thing for them. They were used to paying like 50 grand for a video, and I could come in and do it for a fraction of that. So then you had these companies believing you. Eventually, you're like, okay, I need more hands on deck. Uh, yeah, and then my brother, who was in med school, he dropped out. He started working with me. Um, dropped and, med uh, school to do this. Yeah, wow. bro, it was How did you still convince yeah. him to do that? What? I didn't convince him? him. I didn't convince oh. him. He he was he wasn't happy there. Um, I think that his mental health wasn't doing so well uh, going through that whole thing, and he made that decision. And I had you know at this it, it aligned with where I was, where I needed more help. So at once he dropped out, he just like. And did um, he have those creative skills to kind of help you out? He did because he he would assist me here and there throughout my career. You know, when I needed an extra hand, he was always around, and 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 he 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 knew a lot about what I was doing. He was plugged okay. in, so he was my first team member. And then Humay was uh, then Humay joined the team, and Humay became our lead producer. And that's that at that point is when Happy Monday like started because we had an actual team, a business, a plan, and actual clients. And um, what was the name about? So Humay came up with the name because uh, it's it, because of it, kind of an anti-Friday, uh, anti-Happy Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, like too many people in the corporate world greet each other starting on Wednesday with like Happy Hump Day, Happy Friday Eve on Thursdays, mm -hmm. Happy Friday. It just seems like everyone's just living for the weekend where... Whereas I feel excited about Mondays. Monday is, is, is you know, I, I feel really excited. It's like a fresh start. Yeah, I, I love, I, I think, I, I think the, 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 the hate on Mondays is unwarranted. Like we need to chill with hating <laughs> on Mondays. It's an awesome name. I like, you it know, is. I think anybody when they see it immediately understand like, hey, that's the most optimistic way you could look at work <laughs> ever. These people are probably excited to do my work. So how, yeah, is, the, yeah, uh, how is it balancing the, uh, the personal and, and business relationship with your wife? Um, you guys are together all the time. Yeah, so that's the thing. So, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've, once we start working together, we've been together con constantly. So, uh, and we're very aware of that. And we, we're aware of like the problems that that can bring. So we actively take um, we actively take breaks from one another. Like she'll go visit her parents for a week, and I won't go with her. And that'll be a, you know time that we have for ourselves. I think it's important to create space uh, for me time, um, and we we have to actively do that in order for us to you know have a productive relationship. But on the flip side, it's it's amazing. Like I, uh, the fact that I get to do that with her, and we get to travel together. I have somebody there that like is my partner, my homie. Um, like I wouldn't want to do that with anyone else. You know what I mean? So there's, it's, 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 it's two sides to it. And in the beginning, it was difficult, 
because I was so used to working by myself, you know, like I didn't have anyone to answer to. I didn't, you know, if I didn't do something one day, I'm like, all right, I'll get to it tomorrow. But now, I, now she checks me, you know? So I had to get used to that. I had to learn how to be a team player. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and we've figured it out now. And now it's smooth, like there, there are no issues, but that we had to work on it. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like when it works, it really works. And then also you have like a trust, reliability on one another. It's like, yo, this is, this is the family money right here, so don't mess this up. Right, right. The trust thing is big. The trust thing is big. And, uh, you know, my brother working with me was another, uh, added to that trust yeah. for me, you know? And, and I got really comfortable with that, whereas when I started bringing in other people, I was treating them like family too. And, and you know, it, it works in a lot of situations because in a way I want, our team is so small, I want it to feel like a family. But, you know, not everyone is family and everyone needs to be kind of uh, positioned differently. What were the situations that taught you that? <laughs> um, just, just you know, like you know, I, I can blur the line between personal and professional with Humay or with my brother, but when I do it with other people, it sometimes sends the wrong message. You know, it sometimes makes it too casual of a relationship or or whatever it is, and I've had to draw lines, and I don't like doing that. You know, like with people uh, take that the wrong way, and then I have to like put my foot down or something. I don't like that. You know, I just yeah. like. I'm just so used right. to working with family, right. so I don't have to do that. Also with that, like you were mentioning this a little bit earlier, but um, on your site you described, you know, not having a social life and not being able to see family as much, being homesick, and then, Not even having know, the same friends you used to have. And yeah. then people just online just seeing the highlights of your life, which we certainly do, because I see, yeah. oh my God, he's with Justin Bieber now, he's with Lil Nas X, and he's in Mexico, yeah. and he's in Europe. So, yeah. you know, with all that, you know, are these sacrifices worth it to you at the end of the day and how do you how do you cope with that what sacrifices well sacrificing of you know the social life and the family oh, 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 and all the that social life he said what it's like i did that on purpose it's on it's on your site <laughs> by the way uh, by the way there's there's a typo on your uh on that, right. on that blog right. oh, and wow. listen listen <laughs> if, if anybody can if anybody can screenshot it and send it to me before atif corrects it i'll send you something I, there we go. I'll, there we I go. I want something. I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but how do you cope the, the with the sacrifices? That? Um, so I think that you know, at every point in my life, I've I've always questioned everything, uh, and that came from like an early age where I was brought up a certain way, and then there came a point in my life where I had to question all the beliefs that I was taught and redefine them for myself based on my reality and based on what I believed. Um, and you know, that, that same process like I implemented in other stages in my life as well. And when I went to grad school, I looked at my social circle and I was just like, who here is actually my friend? Versus who here is hanging out because I have a cool clothing line or because they need photos or you know, whatever the case may be. Um, so, you know, I kind of hit the reset button on, on my social circle and then I saw the filtering of people that were just kind of peripherally around me versus people that were core group, my core group. And, and what, what I believe about my core group of friends is that they will understand me pursuing um, my goals even if it sacrifices time with them mm -hmm. because when I come back, it'll, it'll be like we never even you know had that separation and those are the people that I want to be around and the sacrifice was always temporary the goal wasn't to always live this life right the goal was to build this 
so, and, and sacrifice all these things and then come back to a place where, where, where I feel community again. Mm -hmm. um, were were there people that were like annoyed that like you couldn't spend time with them or like, yeah. why are you going out? Where? Yeah, yeah, I've definitely like had to defriend people in real life because they wouldn't understand this. And, and I mm -hmm. felt like that was, that was selfish of them. Um, and I had, even after explaining to them what it means for me to prioritize my work over, um, you know, time with them, if they didn't understand that, then, you know, I, I, I didn't consider them a close friend anymore. Honestly, the best friendships are when you can meet back up and act like no time yeah. happens. Ex That's a timeless friendship. 100%. Like that, so, so yeah, the, and then the, the sacrificing of the family time is hard. Um, that is something that's difficult for me. It's difficult for my family as well. You know, like my parents don't see me that often. Um, and now this COVID situation, I haven't seen them that much either. Um, so that is something that I'm actively working on um, kind of fixing and creating more space for. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I want to know, a give and take. I'm sorry. What about self-care? Like, how do you indulge in self-care? Like, what's your thing that you get to do for yourself? Uh, self-care is hard when you're traveling. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, in the beginning, it was like, yo, I don't know when I'm going to get back, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get to come back to Paris, so I'm just going to mm -hmm. live it up here. I'm just going to, you know, whatever, throw out my, my self-care regimen and just like, and then uh, the same thing would happen like in the next week and the next week. And before I knew it, I was just traveling so much. And I had now gotten into this groove of like, thinking that everything was, you know, treating it like a vacation because your, your, your brain is so used to thinking that when you get on a plane and you get somewhere, it's, you're supposed to, and, and it's like this new city, you're supposed to explore it, you're supposed to go eat, you're supposed to go check, you know, and, and I fell into that a lot in the beginning um, and self-care went out the window. Um, but uh, no, I don't, I, I don't think I've figured that out yet. I don't think that there is a, a solid self-care routine that I have that, that helps me, but yeah, I don't. I don't. There's no self-care, bro. I'm just, I'm just living. Hey, be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, working with some of those high-profile celebrities. If it's a Billie Eilish or a Bad Bunny, Deepika, whoever it might be, um, is there like precaution you have to take or any specific way that you have to uh, be around them, uh, like considering if they're if you're crossing any lines or their people are telling you to be a certain way? Yeah, I think there's tons of tons of sensitivities about celebrities, and every time we get hired, it's a it's a conversation about how uh, that relationship is going to be, and how our presence is you know is going to be uh, kind of designed in that space, um, because there you know there's there's certain projects where the 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 celebrity or the talent is bought into the idea and is super excited about it and wants to be there and wants to contribute and creatively collaborate and put their voice in what's happening, right? And then there's some jobs where it's just a check for them or it's just something that they have to do because of a contract or, you know, whatever. Um, and those two shoots go very differently. Like one is more mm -hmm. fun than the others and I'm sure you can imagine which one. Um, and, you know, there's, I think that part of the reason why Happy Monday is, uh, it, it, you know, we're, we're put in front of these, this type of talent is because we know how to act in front of this talent. Like, geek, we, we don't geek out, we don't cross lines, we don't like, 
we don't get extra friendly with the talent if it's not warranted. When I'm not, get, you know, like I, I think that there's a certain etiquette that you have to have around uh, talent and uh, high-profile talent that that's important um, to maintain. Do you, do you hold it in, or like, do you actually feel, you know, or are you like through it? By now? Yeah, yeah, I hold it in in certain situations. You know, like. Um, there's certain situations where I don't even know who we're shooting, right? Like when we shot Billie Eilish, it was before she got famous. So mm -hmm. I didn't even know who this was. I wasn't part, like I, I wasn't like in tune with her kind of underground celebrity status or, or her influence. And then we shot her before her album came out. And I was like, who's a 17 year old girl? Like I don't even know who, what her music is. And then right after, like literally right after that shoot, her album dropped and she became an, a, you know, a, a superstar. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I, I, you know, I don't think I've been at a shoot yet where I've kind of geeked out on the inside and I've, I've kind of had trouble performing because I was just like starstruck or whatever it was. I mean, you have a yeah. team, so you have different people, different personalities around you. How do you have to communicate that thoroughly to your team? Especially Straight the younger up. ones. Especially Straight the younger up. ones. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, one time I, I failed to communicate it and this guy, like, he like, Right, we were shooting on the red carpet, and Kim Kardashian was walking. And as she wa was walking out, like I saw, he was standing next to me. I saw him leave, and I, I was like, "Where is he going?" And then he chased after her to get a selfie with her. I was like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed!" I was like, "My man, why would you do that? Like, that's not cool." So now, yeah. we, now there's strict guidelines. Like, you don't, like, no one on my team is talking to the talent unless we're, you know, unless we, me or Hume tell, mm. you know, or communicate. Or spoken to, yeah, yeah. Even if you're spoken to, I'm like, don't speak back. Just. just, just. <laughs> I remember us. Uh, I think someone on your team was describing the situation where you guys were shooting Schoolboy Q at the at the golf range, and he was trying to shoot down one of your drone oh, yeah. cameras. So, were there so, any sort of like other funny or crazy stories uh, that that you experienced that you were like? With these celebrities, you yeah. know, honestly, like our our interactions with them are so limited because it's really just about like doing the job and then dipping. There's no room for us to kind of hang out and um, um, kind of you know have those experiences. There, yeah. there really b hasn't been that much, um, you know. Kind Were of you nervous with Schoolboy? Nah, because I wasn't really a schoolboy fan. I didn't really no, know him that No, I'm saying when he was well. trying to shoot down the drone camera. Nah, I, I was telling him to shoot it down. I was like, that'll be a dope shot. Like, try to, <laughs> try to hit the drone. I was like, I'll lose a $500 drone up. for this. That's Whatever. what's up. See, I do the same thing uh, with, with my water shots, and then everyone's always yelling at me. Frost, you're going to... Uh, well, Frost, that's again. also because you were out it's of a phone for like a month. It's also hard to communicate with you, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's I, not like you I have a replaceable phone. Anything for the shot. Um, mm -hmm. Truth, truth, anything for the shot. You know when, when you're, you have the resources to replace those products. We'll make yeah. it happen. It's all good. I think I think one of the <laughs> wildest things that happened was that we were at a, a we were at a fashion show and. Um, you, you know, it, there's there's this runway in the middle, and this is where the models were walking out of. If this is the runway, like they would walk out, do the loop back in this way. So I had a photographer standing here, right where the girls were coming out from. The models, sorry, and um, he was shooting them, kind of profile shot of them walking out. And he had two lenses with him. He put one on the ground, and as he you know stepped forward to take a shot, he accidentally <sighs> kicked his lens in the middle of the runway during the show. And that is a big, like, you know, that is a big issue. Um, he freaked out. Everyone in the audience was like, 
you know, like you could hear the gasp. Um, and then a security guard like ran and grabbed the lens and like walked to the other side. And then the guy who was who who kicked the lens ran out of the building and ran five blocks away because he was so <laughs> nervous about what was gonna happen to him. And then he called me like, <gasps> I was like, where are you? I can't find you. He was like, I'm on uh, like 45th Street. I'm like, we're on 34th. Like, why are you on 45th right now? And he just like ran. He was like, I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Are you? I'm. I'm. I'm guessing you're. You're a scary, um, intimidating boss. Would you say so? Not really. I don't think so. I you think made someone run five blocks out of fear. <laughs> no, that was because we were at New York Fashion Week, and there were too yeah. many people yeah. that would like. Yeah. There was security there that would like top ban him forever. Top brands. Yeah, well, he would. I actually think he did the right thing because they could have taken his pass and just banned him. You know, but he came back the next day. <laughs> no one knew. True. That's awesome. Um, um, I want to get into also, um, you know, the current time and everything. Tell us about uh, HYFN. What is that, and why did you start that? So Hyphen, um, Hyphen is a brand that Humay and I started a few years back. It was actually started uh, at the same time we were starting Happy Monday. So it is uh, Hyphen. It doesn't stand for something. It's Hyphen. It's hi- you know you know the Hyphen the the, the mm-hmm. punctuation mark. Right. So it's it it's a play on that because. When I first moved, um, when I first moved here, I was like 10, 12 years old, and I was a Pakistani before that. And as soon as I got here, I became a Pakistani American, and that mm. hyphen became a part of my identity. And that that little like punctuation mark like lives with me now forever, um, whether I, I have, like it or not. I have one in my That's name. That's so actually. deep. <laughs> I see it. I see it. <laughs> uh, so you you have two of them then. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, you're, snap. Well, you, you probably have many, but because it's also like a multidisciplinary thing, like DJ, photographer, producer, whatever, like you, in the middle of that, like uh, uh, all these things you can bring together with one punctuation mark. And that mm. was kind of the idea. It was like, you know, bring, bridging our identities. Um, and it was a platform for us to tell stories of South Asian creatives that were doing incredible things. Like right now, there's so many resources that give us a look into that experience and that narrative. But you know, five years ago, that didn't exist. You know, creatives didn't have a platform to kind of push their content. Now there's Brown Go Mag. There's so many different um, uh, entities that are now pushing the culture forward. Um, but before, there wasn't many. And we had, you know, I had this deep desire to kind of contribute in some way. And I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not good at a, a lot of other things. I'm not good at many things aside from like telling stories. And I wanted to. That's what I wanted to contribute. So we went to these artists, and. It was also kind of this desire to to get to know people uh, in a, in a, in a true collaborative way, not like yo, let's get on a phone and get to know one another, but like work with somebody and learn about them that way. Um, because that's you know, collaboration is my favorite form of friendship. Um, so that's what we started doing, collaborating with these people, and we basically said, hey, we if you had a video production company available to you to do whatever, what would you do? Um, let's talk about that and let's make it happen. So mm-hmm. that's what we did, you know, with the Nikon and with Horsepower and with the Kaminas and um, Talal Qureshi and Adil Umar from Pakistan and, you know, DJ Rekha. And I, now I have this incredible network and community of people that I didn't before. And it only came, I only have that because we did that project. And we had to shelf it because, you know, Happy Monday started to pop off. and. You know, I, I couldn't be distracted from that that opportunity, um, and at the same time, many other things popped up. Godzilla Mag, you know, all the, all these other things. I was like, great, this is this is beautiful that other people are doing it. We, you know, we can kind of step away from it. Mm. Um, 
and yeah, so that that's what that was. And now we brought it back now, or, or we're bringing it back. We actually just you know we announced it right before uh, the the George Floyd incidents, and then after that, it didn't make sense for us to roll out uh, in the same way that we were gonna. So well, that's we what I actually wanted to ask you about. With you know, there's obviously this the biggest civil rights movement going on currently. Um, as a South Asian American, you know, what are you taking from this movement and, and, you know, watching the black community since you've been here for the longest time and, and applying to your yourself and your own community in the way that you're going to, you know, move uh, going forward? What am I learning from this movement? Yeah. And just watching the black community throughout, you know, your your life here. Um, you know, the black community is what I identified with as soon as I came here because they, you know, th that community also, I, I felt like with a lot of my struggles were aligned with theirs. Um, and, and the high school that I was in was split between like black kids and then Russian kids. And, you know, they all spoke Russian and I, I didn't. So I, I, I naturally kind of went towards, uh, you know, that community. And also, I like fell in love with hip hop as soon as I got here. Like I was like amazed by you know the '90s hip hop scene. Like, more money, more problems had just dropped when I like got into this country. It was one of the first music videos I saw over here, and like I was I was really like uh, impressed with it and and vibed with it. So I aligned with you know I I, I found myself being a part of that community for a long time. Um, until I went to college, and then when you go to art school, you know, I, I then uh, again was just surrounded, or not again, but I was surrounded by a completely different group of people, you know, like white kids that were going to art school at NYU. I mean, you could just imagine what that type of person is, right? Like, obviously, it's the blanket statement, but um, there was a lot of privilege there. Um, and, and, and at that time, we didn't talk about white privilege. That wasn't really a thing. But I continued to tell my, my stories, uh, even in school. Like my, I took a documentary photography class twice because I wanted to continue telling the story of Muslims and South Asians and, and all that. And now, with this movement, there's been a lot of push towards South Asians understanding their own racisms and looking inward. And uh, I, I've been doing a lot of that as well. And you know, it, being part of these conversations, I'm realizing all these things that have been a part of my life that I've just kind of really didn't pay attention to that much. Or but, but more, more in my childhood, more when I was in Pakistan, a, a lot more things related to colorism. Um, um, you know, people being treated differently because of the color of their skin, even though they're part of the same race or part of the same community, and that is something that I didn't really think about as much because it wasn't directly affecting me and I wasn't around a community that it was affecting too much. And now I'm seeing it a lot more. And then looking back at my childhood and seeing that my grandparents or my daddy was, would, would, would treat people differently because of the, the, the shade of their skin. And then, you know, and then realizing having conversations of like, you know, casually throwing in like, you know, that if there's a rishta or something, not for me, but like whatever, that oh, they talk about the, that person's skin color. Like that's the first thing that comes up. Like after like, what does he do? Okay, so is he fair skinned or dark? That's like, sometimes things, on the bio data. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. So on like, shahi.com, you, know, you have like a whole pulley from like very right. light to very dark. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I exactly like we, no one, no one objected to that. Uh, you know, a few years ago or whatever. 
we weren't thinking about colorism in that way. We didn't think about uh, how, how fucked up it is and how it needs to be corrected within our own selves and our own communities. So there's learnings like that that I'm paying attention to, like where I uh, have let things kind of slide or blow over or not fully pay attention to them. I'm more trying to be more aware of that um, and correcting myself if I find myself in that situation. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of looking inwards right now. I Do you think. look at then, you know appropriation versus uh, paying homage when it comes to either the way that South Asians will borrow from black culture or that uh, other people will borrow from South Asian culture? You know, I have a really like uh, unpopular view on uh, cultural appropriation. Please tell that other people take. Like, I think that cultural appropriation. Uh, you know, worrying about cultural appropriation is just distracting because it makes you look, you know, it makes you look at the the culture that you came from and it distracts you from creating new culture, which is the 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 zone that I'm in right now is about creating new culture. And I'm not worried about if white girls are wearing bindis at festivals. I don't give a shit about that. Like mm -hmm. it, I think that that's a, a crazy thing for us to spend our time talking about. Who cares? Um, and, and, and it doesn't, it, you know, I, I, I understand the deep-rooted, you know, problems that exist with cultural appropriation and people need to be uh, cr credited for their work and the money needs to go into the right hands and all or that stuff. Or respect that culture at least when Respect that culture, exactly, exactly. I think that all those things are important, but my personal kind of agenda is not super aligned with calling people out on cultural appropriation. I think that, you know, nothing is original. People borrow all the time. Beyonce doing something Indian is not offensive to me. Um, you know, like I've been, you know, there's been uh, desi influences in hip hop that I've championed, not looked at and be like, yo, they're taken from our culture, but like, you know, uh, being excited about it. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I'm not really too. I'm not really too concerned about cultural appropriation. But then appropriating other people's culture. So I guess we see it in hip hop the most, right? Like, uh, or or maybe for me, I see that the most around me. And I don't know. This is a hard. It's a hard conversation to have or a hard uh, question to answer. Like, should brown people be able to rap? I I think yes. I think so. I don't think that there's anything wrong with rapping. I think that it's important to give. To, 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 to acknowledge and align yourself uh, with, with sincere, uh, kind of taking a sincere approach to it, um, not, not, not being a vulture about it, you know what I mean? And um, that, that can happen even within your own cultures. Like people can you know, rip your own ideas off and appropriate them and make them, your own, uh, make them their own. And yeah, I, 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 I think we have to be conscious about it and we have to make sure that we're, we're like, you know, respecting uh, the, the process and where it's coming from. But creativity is, is messy like that. I, I think that intentions play a large, large role in this conversation. And, in, and intentions are often, you know, not, 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 intentions aren't always pure. But if you're coming from a pure place, you shouldn't see a problem with it. I think that's an extremely fair, you know, viewpoint, and, and a lot of people would respect that. And and it depends on where it's coming from. And you know, somebody like yourself who has grown up and witnessed and you know seen all of that, and then is able to acknowledge and look back uh, while continuing to, as you say, like create culture, um, is is a totally respectable way to do it. Whereas I think the the problem people have on the on the surface is always just kind of like 
oh, this person is doing this, they're profiting off of it, and they don't know anything about that culture, and they haven't shown the respect. And it's, again, you don't know their intentions, you don't know where they're coming from, you don't know what kind of research they've done. So, uh, you know, the way that you put it, I think, you know, is is definitely fair. when it comes to a personal level, what you said last, Atif, is important, that, like, when, when you are participating in things that might not be directly from your own culture, your intention should be pure, and you should also, like, if you're taking from that culture, you shouldn't have a bad viewpoint on them, like, you should be appreciating that culture as well, not just taking the beauty oh, absolutely. of it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know what, like, I wasn't, I didn't know how much uh, racism against uh, black people existed within our own communities, because I didn't grow up in the suburbs, like, I didn't grow up around white people like I grew up in Coney Island it was brown and black kids that were a part of my community and my tribe and you know I you know even with my parents they, they didn't come from a hateful place towards other other minority groups because they were working with the, those same people like my dad drove a cab his whole life and you know his buddies were that drove cabs with him were black and you know there wasn't I never heard him speaking ill about any of them ever you know, but but then, you know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who grew up in the suburbs, and and their family's point of view of, of black people was very different than mine, and and I think that I just come from a different, you know, culture a little bit, um, where I didn't grow up around this as much. Like, yeah, racism wasn't there. Um, homophobia was there. You know, <laughs> there was a lot of homophobia. <laughs> you know, but like there there wasn't a lot of uh, racism in my yeah. family growing up. Um, I know we've kept you here for a while. I do want to try to uh, wrap up soon. Uh, it's all good, tell us, I'm good. Tell us about, um, you know, what you're thinking, if you're thinking of uh, ever slowing down and, and what you're kind of seeing in the future and what, what you're looking forward to. I don't know, man. I don't want to slow down. I, I don't. I don't. I don't feel like. I don't feel like it at all. I feel like I, I don't have enough time to do as much as I want to do. Mm. I feel like I have. You know, I have this. I have an Evernote notebook that's that's called Great Ideas, and it's just a <laughs> long ass list of things that I want to get to. You know, like great I'm, ideas. I'm not. Yeah, straight up because they are great. Like if I, <laughs> I, I often go back to them. Like, damn, this is a great idea. I do you ever do cross this. anything off? Like maybe that one wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. <laughs> I, I, I definitely like get real excited about an idea, and I'm like writing it down later. I revisit it. I'm like, what was I thinking? That was. Good. <laughs> um, That's but, awesome. but yeah, I, I, I want to do a lot more. Like there's, I, I can't even think of stopping right now. Like there's no end in sight. Um, I wanted to ask, like. What would you say to someone that wants to like pursue a creative field and something like that, just like inspiration and stuff? I think that you know one of the things that people don't do is the work, um, and that is that I keep finding that over and over again because um, social media has allowed you to kind of trick people into thinking that you're something that you're not, mm. and uh, you know I've, I saw that firsthand when we were hiring people, and and you know on the gram they looked popping they looked ill I was excited to meet with them and then they come in and they were just popping on the gram they were they couldn't even answer simple questions about art or creativity or about inspiration or about history anything um, I think that it's really important to do the work to educate yourself on whatever it is that you're 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 pursuing like you want to be a photographer like study photography go to galleries go to museums like one of the things that I, I I've kind of force all of my my team members to do is go to a museum like every month um, the way that a museum has influenced 
or going to galleries, looking at art, absorbing other art has influenced my work is incredible. Like I couldn't even tell you how many times uh, I was able to elevate an idea because I had some inspiration in the back of my head that I caught um, a while ago at some uh, exhibit I was at. So I think doing the work is important. I think knowing the history is important. I think that understanding your craft is super important. And, and don't just live within an app. Like, you have to think outside of just one app. Word. That's great. That would be the main thing. Thank you so uh, much. Let people know where they can find you um, and anything else that you might want to leave us with. Um, you can find me. Before the AirPod leaves you. I know, right? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at ATIF, at Atif. How much uh, you pay Atif. for that? Yeah, like, how did you get that? <laughs> yeah, I got, friend, <laughs> I got friends in high places. <laughs> that's a, that's you and your wife, app. just like, I'm just with first name, that's my handle. Yo, fam, like, when, when, when my, somebody I knew got a job at Instagram, I was like, hmm, okay, so <laughs> this, is, nice. this is my moment. I was like, I don't know how long she's going to be there. Let's just, let's just try to make it happen. This was a little early on, so I gave her a list of, like, four accounts that I wanted. And if an account is dormant for, like, six months, I think, you can just, they can just give it to you. Mm. Um, so at Atif, um, atifatik.com, and then happymonday.studio. Awesome. That's where um, we live. Uh, Thank you so, so much for coming on. You've really given us a lot of inspiration in this. And honestly, no hearing your journey and seeing how you kind of went from one rope straight to the other and seeing how you can take your creative self from basic forms of photography to a whole company is very inspirational. So thank you so much for coming here and sharing that with us. No doubt. Of course. Of course. Before you it. leave, um, we ask all of our guests one question. Um, right. And Shamir, if you want to take that away, that'd be awesome. If you could describe yourself in any flavor, what would it be and why? Ooh, okay. All right. You're on strange uh, flavors. This might I know, be the, I know. This might be on the list of great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. F ice cream flavor, yeah? Any, any flavor. flavor. It doesn't have to be ice cream, but something that describes you and why. Oh, man, this is a hard one. <laughs> I, I should have came I should have known that you guys were going to ask me this. Um, Damn, Homei would have a great answer. For See, I can't, I can't come and try to work for Happy Monday and say Mondays are my least favorite day. You're on strange <laughs> yeah, you're flavors. Right, you're right, you're right, you're right, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, hmm. Damn, you caught me, man. You caught me with this what one. What is a flavor that would describe who you are, like, you know? And you've dropped so many, like, deep quotes in this. Even when you said hyphen, I was like, dang, that's deep. Like, I know you have um, something in you. I'm gonna go with those those ice cream packs that are split in three. Like it's it's, it's strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate Napoleon. all Neopolitan. in one. Yeah, Neopolitan. yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, it has a oh, <laughs> it, ha it has a name apparently. And, and um, so yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with because there's flavors. There's multiple flavors here, bro. Hyphens. Hyphens. There's multiple hyphens. hyphens there you go. Awesome. Atif, thank you again for coming on here. Thank you. Of course. We really appreciate this you. This was wonderful. And you're a huge inspiration to us. So keep doing what you're doing because I think that you're inspiring tons of people with, um, with you know, your work ethic and, and the way that you view things. So, um, no, nah, man, I'm thrilled to you. be on. Thank you so much for having me. Like, I, I, I failed to mention this before, but like one of my biggest sources of inspiration is like the creative youth. And you guys, like, I, I you know, I, I, I feed off of that. I love what you guys do. I watch everything. 
Um, I just think it's incredible that there's a voice out there that's coming from this particular perspective and it's inspiring other people. Like I think it's infectious what you guys are doing. It's dope. That means the it's world. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We got the approval from, from ATIF, <laughs> yeah. the only Instagram on, uh, handle on Instagram. So yeah. thank you um, and everybody listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time.